Praise the Lord, everybody. Amen. Hallelujah. It's good to see everybody in the house of the Lord tonight. And it's good to be in the house of the Lord tonight. Amen. Every opportunity we get to come into the house of the Lord, it's a good day. And when we come into the house of the Lord, we bring him together. We make him unified. Amen. He is not separated when we come together. Thank God for his goodness. Amen. Well, if you will stand with me, we have a few prayer requests tonight. I want you to pray with me on these uh, prayer requests that we have. We have a prayer request for Kathleen Tadlock. Kathleen is traveling far, 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 and we need God to keep her and protect her as she travels. So Kathleen Tadlock, let's pray for her. Also, we want to pray for Sonia. I don't have a last name, but Sonia. She has um, cancer in her throat. She's far away from here, and she is a mother of one of our brothers, well, our sister in Christ. So pray for Sonia and that God will heal her, miraculously touch her in her throat and eradicate the cancer and make her whole. And Sonia is far away, so pray for her like you know God can touch her wherever she is. Also, I want you to continue to pray for Sister Selmita Cole that God will touch her body and make her body whole and that God will heal her miraculously. So keep her in your prayers as well. Um, is there any other prayer requests uh, that anyone may have that we need to shout out so we can all remember names as we begin to pray tonight? Any other prayer requests? Amen. Everybody's good? You don't have any prayer requests tonight? All right. So Kathleen, Sonia, and Pastor Selmita Cole that God will touch them um, for healing, for Kathleen, for travel mercies. And let's pray for God to have his way in our Bible study tonight and that his hand will be upon us and that we will receive from him what he, and what he uh, desires for us to receive from him and not what we want, but what, you know, it's good when what we want is what he wants. But usually... <laughs> Unfortunately, usually that's not how it go. Usually what we want, he's not thinking about that. And so when we can come in alignment with him, that whatever he desires for us, it's what we want. Then we're cooking with grease then. So if you desire what the Lord wants, well, we don't know what the Lord wants. So the best way to go about it is to pray, God, we want whatever you want for us. That's what we want. Amen. That's a safe prayer to pray. God, whatever you want, that's what we want. And so we need your guidance and we need your help to accomplish whatever you want. Amen. And pray for our young people, as I've been mentioning to you. I want God to give us revival with our young people because whether you see it or not or you know it or not, um, a lot of us in this church, we're doing all right in age. And um, if we just keep on doing all right in age, you know, I'm concerned. I want when my children and your children get older and your nieces and nephews and, uh, you know, your, your neighbor's children, when they get older, 
they have a bona fide apostolic church that they can go to that they can be saved because every church that we hear about can't get our children saved. You know, they don't, they don't know what to teach them for them to be saved. I was just reading. I saw um, yesterday I passed a really big church. I didn't even know that church exists. And I passed this really nice big church, you know, and I'm like, wow, this is awesome. It was in Pennsylvania in Fairless Hills. And I, you know, I'm, I'm such a junkie with this stuff that I, I get online real quick and I start looking, who are they? What are they? And, um, and they had some really good things on their website about who they were. But then when it came down, they believed in receiving the Holy Spirit with evidence of speaking in tongues. But when it came down to baptism, they say you must be baptized in the name Father, Son, Holy Ghost. I'm just telling you that there is a lot of places you go and you'll get some truth, but you don't get all truth. And so because we know we have that, we have to do everything we can to strengthen and grow this. So when we get older, our children, grandchildren, great-grandchildren, nieces, nephews, whoever, whoever God has in plan or has in store to take over this church for years and years, if he doesn't come by then, we want to make sure we leave them a good legacy that they can just step right into this and do their thing. Because we're not always going to be around and uh, we want to make sure uh, that we leave a legacy behind for others to be saved. Amen? Amen. I guess something came through um, virtually. What's the prayer request? Uh, oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Is dad need prayer for? Okay, healing. Okay. So let's pray for Jonathan Brand's father, or that's the father. Okay, so let's pray for Jonathan's father. Jonathan's father needs healing, miraculous touch. Amen. All right, let's go before the Lord. Don't forget Jonathan's father. Amen. Sister Selmita Coles. Amen. Um, Sonia and Kathleen. Amen. Huh? No, no, that's that's the, that's the same thing. Jonathan's uh, dad. All right, let's go before the Lord. Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord, we worship you and we adore you. There is none like you, and we're so grateful that you brought us into truth and that we've come to know you, Lord God. Oh, Lord, how excellent is your name in all of the earth. Lord, we give you honor tonight, oh God, for there is none like you. We're grateful to be together again. We're grateful, oh God, to be able to worship you in the beauty of holiness. We're grateful for revelation and understanding. We're grateful, oh God, for the word of God. And tonight we've come once again, oh God, to have fellowship with you, to handle the word of God, to hear what the Spirit is saying unto us. We humble ourselves to you tonight, Lord. We surrender and submit our will that your will be done, Lord God. Your kingdom will come, Lord God, and that your power will be released. And, oh God, among us and move upon us. And, oh God, whatever chain that have us bound tonight, we, oh God, will be free. Whatever stronghold that have us captive, we will be free. Whatever thought, Lord God, that have us preoccupied, we will become focused. Tonight, Lord, I pray in the name of Jesus that you have your way, that you stir up the gift that's inside of us, Lord God. 
And, oh, God, that we will experience, Lord, the power of the Holy Ghost in the name of Jesus Christ. And that, oh, God, our faith will increase tonight in the name of Jesus Christ. That, Lord, we will call those things that are not as though they were. As children of God, Lord, we stand on your promises. We stand on your word. And, oh, God, we pray and ask tonight that you will touch Sonia. Lord, she need a miraculous touch from you. For what the doctors can't do, you can do. And we pray tonight, Lord God, that by your stripes, Sonia will receive healing in her throat, Lord. Eradicate the cancer, Lord. And, oh, God, I pray that you will make her whole in the name of Jesus Christ. Tonight, Lord God, I pray for Jonathan's father, Lord God, from the crown of his head to the sole of his feet. I pray that you'll eradicate diseases and ailments. I pray, almighty God, that by your stripe he will be healed. But by your touch he will be overshadowed with power from on high and be made whole. In the name of Jesus Christ, I pray for Selmita Cole tonight, Lord God. She is a warrior. She is a servant of the Most High. And, oh God, I pray that you will give her strength. I pray, almighty God, that you will heal her. I pray, almighty God, that you will impart to her what you will. For, Lord, we know your purpose and the works that you have for her is still before her. Lord, have your way in her life, Lord. I pray that she, Lord God, will be encouraged, oh God, even now as we pray, that she will receive encouragement and that she will be touched by you. Have your way, Lord. We pray for Kathleen, oh God, that tonight you will guide her and you will send angels, Lord God, to encamp round about her and guide her safely and protect her from all danger and from all harm, that wherever she is, Lord, your hand will be upon her, and that, oh God, you will reveal more of yourself to her. Have your way in our Bible study tonight, Lord. Move upon us in a special way. Speak to our hearts, oh God, that we can receive from you tonight and walk out of this place changed. Receive our praise and our worship and our thanksgiving. Have your way tonight, Lord. We give you the honor and praise, and we pray in the wonderful name of Jesus Christ. Come on, clap your hands unto the Lord and say, in Jesus' name. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Have your way, Lord. Have your way, Lord. Have your way, Lord. Have your way, Lord. We give you the praise and the honor. We give you the praise and the honor. Thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. We love you. We honor you, and we praise you. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Amen. Well, welcome to Thursday night Bible study. We're so glad that you can join us. Amen. And we pray God will help us tonight. How about we turn our Bibles to Matthew chapter 5, verse number 9, and then James chapter 3, verse number 13. Matthew chapter 5, verse 9, and James chapter 3, verse 13. Amen. 
Glory be to God. Matthew chapter 5, verse number 9, says this. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. James chapter 3, verse 13, the word of the Lord says, Who is a wise man? And endued with knowledge among you, let him show out of a good conversation his works with meekness of wisdom. But if ye have bitter envying and strife in your hearts, glory not and lie not against the truth. This wisdom descended not from above, but is earthly, sensual devilish for where envying and strife is there is confusion and every evil work but the wisdom that is from above is first pure then peaceable gentle and easy to be entreated full of mercy and good fruits without partiality and without hypocrisy and the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace of that make peace. Amen. I read all that real good without my glasses. What you know? What you know? What you know? Come on down. Yes, sir. I'm going to talk to you a little bit tonight on the topic, Blessed are the peacemaker. Blessed are the peacemaker. You know, it sounds good to say blessed are the peacemakers, but oftentimes we don't realize that. Uh, remember what I always tell you, that there are certain topics that could be. Uh, what's the word I no normally like to use? There, 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 there are some issues or some studies that are eternal issues and studies. And then there are things that like, all right, it's good to know that. Now, everything in the Bible is legit and you need to know. So don't get that twisted. But what I always say, people, Bible scholars, argue all the time about will the rapture come pre-tribulation, in the middle of tribulation, or post-tribulation. That's something that they argue about all the time. And everybody's trying to make their point as to why they believe the rapture will take place either pre-tribulation, mid-tribulation, or post-tribulation. That's good to talk about, but that have no bearing on your salvation. So that's what I mean. Everything is important in the Bible. But if you get that wrong, that doesn't mean anything. If you get that wrong, it's okay. It's not going to prevent you from going to heaven. But if you get wrong how to be born again, <laughs> that could prevent you from going to heaven. So you want to get that right. If you get wrong who God is, that can prevent you from going to heaven. You want to know that. 
So when I, when, I, when I study, teach, whenever I preach, whenever I bring anything to your attention, emphasis will be made on it depending on if it's salvation-related or it's something that you just need to know and understand. And I don't think many of us will think that being a peacemaker is a salvation thing, but it is. Uh-huh. <laughs> you know, it just seems like one of those things like, ah, peacemaker, yeah, yeah. That's right. You're a Christian. You're supposed to be a peacemaker. But being a peacemaker is a heaven and hell thing. Because if you get that wrong, you can be in trouble. Uh huh. You can be in trouble if you get that part wrong. So it's important to understand that being a peacemaker is very important as children of God. It says, it was clear, it says, blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called. So if you're not a peacemaker, what? I'm just, I'm just saying, you know, we like to read it one way because it sounds so good. Blessed are the peacemaker for they shall be called. The ch- but what if you're not a peacemaker? You're not called a, ch- a child of God. So, 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 you know, you, you got to look at it sometimes. You just don't read it and just leave it at, at, at that. You read it and says, all right, yeah, I'm a peacemaker. I'm a child of God. That's encouraging. But then you got to stop and say, well, what if I'm not a peacemaker? What is that? Mm-hmm. So it's important to know. James was uniquely qualified to call for opposing groups and individuals to come together and seek peace. As one of the brothers of Jesus Christ, James had gained the respect of believers and had become an important leader in the early church. I love the book of James. You get a chance, you haven't gone through it. That's a book you can go through all the time. It has so many nuggets and things that's applicable for our lives right now. He also gave sound instructions to the church in the epistle named after him. James called upon members of the church to stop quarreling and live in peace. He said, the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. Uh Perhaps the best approach to becoming a peacemaker is to identify the enemies of peace. So to know what you should be doing, sometimes it's best to know what you shouldn't be doing. Right? Sometimes... We don't quite know exactly what we should be doing, but the best way to handle that sometimes is just start to know what you shouldn't be doing. And so when you realize I shouldn't be doing this and I shouldn't be doing this, it, it, get, it helps you to discover what you should be doing. Mm-hmm. So let's identify some of the enemies of peace. Here is a couple enemies of peace. The unrestrained and immature are often the source of conflict and dissension. So what can we do to minimize the disruption and to facilitate peace and unity? So the enemy of peace is unrestrained behavior. The enemy of peace is immaturity. Just ask the kids. 
can I get my belt right now and beat one of them? Because, you know, kids, they always got to make, well, not all of them, but a lot of them do, especially boys, always, yeah, thing going on. And so there was, there's no peace. Eh, always going. Except for when, you know, I just get real and get something out. Lay it all down. I don't want to hear no noise. I remember one year I was driving up to Winterfire. The kids was in the car. They were young. Wife in the car. We're going. And for some reason, man, they were just, everybody was saying something. Doing, it was noisy. It was in my mind. I said, in the name of Jesus, Lord, I need some peace right now. I need some quiet while I take this drive. Will you give me some peace and some quiet? Five minutes later, everybody was knocked out sleeping. God hears some prayers sometimes you wouldn't believe. <laughs> but unrestraint and immaturity are in are enemies to peace. Because when people are immature, they can't bring peace. When people are unrestrained, they can't bring peace. When you're immature, you got to keep on going. You can't stop. Well, what about this? And what? If, and you just keep going. And you keep talking when you're immature. So you can't bring peace when you're immature. And then some of the things that you're talking about as an immature person is like irrelevant. You're not even keeping up with the flow of conversation. You're not keeping up with what's going on. You're immature. You're off to the left. You're off to the right talking about something else. So enemies of peace is immaturity and unrestraint. You don't know how to restrain yourself. You hear something, you got to, uh, and respond. You hear something that you don't like, you got to jab. Come on now, don't get quiet up here. There's no peace there when you got to jab. You didn't restrain yourself. You didn't say, I hear that, but I am not going to respond to that because I want some peace in my life. Ask Jesus about that. If you such the son of God, won't you come off the cross now and save yourself? If you such the son of God, won't you tell angels to come right now? Did he say a word? So why, so why do we think we got to always say something? Why do we think we always got to jab? When you do a whole lot of talking, you're insecure. Jesus didn't have to do a whole lot of talking. He was, he was secure. He knew who he was, and he knew what he could do. A whole lot of blah, 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 blah means you are not secure. But when you know who Jesus is, and you have a good relationship going with him, and you stay connected to him, and you constantly obey his word, you know I don't have to say a whole lot because I'm pretty confident about what's going on because you know what? I trust in him. And so it's important to realize that when you're, when you're immature or unrestrained, you can't experience peace in your life. And when you're around that kind of stuff, you can't experience peace either. Uh-huh. There will never be peace in the world, but peace can be experienced in the church there will never be peace in our world but peace can be ex experienced in the church real easy let me explain that to you in Christ we're all one 
In the world, we're not one. It's just that simple. In the world, we're individuals. And everybody gets to do what they like. And everybody gets to demonstrate how they feel. And so that's going to never bring peace. Because every one of us, are we're pulling in different directions. Everybody has their direction they're pulling in. But in the church, we're supposed to be pulling one way. And that, that's the way the head is leading us. So if we're following the head, we will experience peace. Because we'll just be flowing. Because we're following the head. So in the world, you will never experience peace. But in the church, because we're supposed to be in Christ. And if we're following Christ, how can we not experience peace? As with all people, there are problems that arise among Christians as well in their relationships and interactions. James addressed one of the most dangerous weapon of humanity. It is not weapon of mass destruction. It is not devastating chemical warfare. It is not even infectious disease like the coronavirus. It is not drones or advanced artillery. The most dangerous of all the weapons is identified in the book of James as the tongue. The tongue is the most dangerous weapon that we can ever utilize. Not artillery, not coronavirus. Not drones flying around. Not it, n- nothing. The tongue is the worst. Someone, I don't know why I keep saying this. I hope I'm not leaving here, Nicola and Peyton and Jordan. I guess I got to say that to my mom, too, but you're grown up. You'd you be all right. You'd be all right if I'm out of here, but. But, but I got to say this to my family. I, I hope I'm not leaving here. But every day I'm starting to embrace and obey that scripture that, that makes us understand it's better to be with Jesus than be in this world. I, I'm, 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 I'm trying to live my life to accept that because a lot of Christians don't accept that. A lot of Christians still are fight, fighting in battle to stay in this world. And I want to be in such... A, a, a situation where I'm totally at peace with with dying because I understand according to the Bible that dying in Christ is a whole lot better for me than living in this world and I'm trying my best to become at peace with that to, to embrace that because that is right and we don't want to experience that. Now for you children, Matthew and, and, and Jordan and you all, I want you to experience good life and live good. Then that's fine. I'm just talking about me. I don't want you all to think like that. I mean, live for God, as, you know, and be faithful. But you don't have to think about it. But I'm just trying to get myself to be that way because remember I told you some hard sayings? We got to find we got to make sure when we read the hard sayings in the Bible, the word of God that tells us some hard things that we don't dismiss those things and think that, well, you know, God don't really expect that. I mean, I mean, he can't expect that we're humans. That's what we say when we read these hard things in the Bible and God wouldn't put them in there if he didn't expect for us to do all of it. All of it. 
And so what we need to do is get with ourselves and say, no matter how difficult this saying is, no matter how hard it may seem to fulfill, if God put it there, I should be able to do it. So let me do everything I can with the help of the Lord to begin to fulfill some of these hard things in the Bible. And one of the things I'm trying to follow is to be absent from this, this, this flesh and this world is to be present with the Lord. And the Bible talks about, you know, finding rest in the Lord. And the Bible talks about eventually when I get to heaven, there's no more hurt, no more pain, no more sorrow. Why would I want that place over this place? But somehow we are not embracing that real good. I think we will experience the best version of ourselves when we embrace that. Because you will be so bold and you won't be afraid of living for God the way God wants you to live for him. And you won't worry about what people think about you. You won't worry about anything. And you will just live your life to fulfill your purpose in Christ because you will realize, what do I lose anyway? If it's time for me to get out of here, I'm good. But as long as I'm here, I'm going to be the real me in Christ and not worry about a thing. When we can embrace that, I think we will see the best version of ourselves. And so the tongue is the, just the, the worst of all the weapons. It does damage. It is identified as the most uncontrolled member of the body. James said, the tongue can no man tame. It is an unruly evil full of deadly poison. Poison, your tongue. James likened the tongue to various objects that are small but have significant influence. Mm -hmm. Majestic horses are large animals. If you see them, they look so beautiful and strong. But once they are trained, they can be controlled with a gentle nudge on the bridle. Turn to the right, turn to the left. Here goes some bridle to move forward. Great ships propelled by wind through the waves of the sea are steered by a tiny rudder controlled by the person at the helm. The tiny tongue is a small flame with great power to ignite a raging wildfire, consuming a huge forest. Finally, James declared that it would be easier to tame a wild beast than for the tongue to be controlled. You can you stand a better chance taming a lion than taming your tongue. Only through the power of the Holy Ghost and our continual reliance upon Jesus Christ can we hope to control our tongue? So your tongue can never be controlled by you solely. You can't be the one and only that will ever control your tongue. You are going to need the help of the Lord Jesus to help you control your tongue. So as long as you're out of Christ, you have no control. It's only when you are in Christ can you possibly have control. Underline possibly three times. 
Because you know there's a lot of people in church that still don't have control over their tongue. Because you can have Christ but never yield to Christ. You can have Jesus in your life and you can still try to control your life with Jesus in your life. But it's not until you yield and say, Lord, have your way in my life. That's when there is control. No, have your way, Lord. There is no control. That's for all of us. Perhaps. That is, one, that is one reason why the tongue was chosen. Listen to this. Why the tongue was chosen as the most important member to be surrendered to God's control when the Holy Spirit fill a believer's life in the new birth process. So some people concern themselves about why is it important to speak with tongues and why is all of that stuff well i'm helping you a little bit tonight this is just one small reason of the importance of being filled with the holy spirit and the evidence of being filled with the holy spirit is speaking with other tongues why because when you speak with other tongues the holy spirit is in control of the tongue and not you when you begin to speak with tongues, what God is saying, that's evidence that I am now in your life because look at you. That tongue is moving and you're speaking a language that you don't know, you didn't learn, and I'm causing that to happen. Not you. I have the control now. Now, we don't continue to walk around talking in tongues, but the bottom line is he has shown you if you will yield to me, I will have control in your life. But if you don't yield to me, you will have control in your life. And so people that seek in the Holy Ghost, the biggest challenge to receive the Holy Ghost is to yield to the Spirit of God so he can take control. But if you never yield to him, you will have control and you can't give yourself the Spirit. So now you see one of the reasons why it's so important for God to choose that way of saying, this is how I fill you with my spirit. Not according to the pastor preachers coming up with some idea. No, God has his reason for why he's doing everything. And when we don't understand it, we like to dismiss it. Well, all that's not necessary. Why we got to do that? Why? Because you don't understand it. I mean, we spent tons of money going to college to get great education, and we should. But you went to school to learn. So what do you think? You got saved to do what? You, you, you got saved to do what? Just be ignorant? No. God wants you to learn. So just like how you can learn in a secular school, when God saves you, he's going to teach you and you're going to learn. The preacher, teacher, whoever it is that God has placed you under to teach you and help you, they will help you. Guess what else? The Holy Spirit, when you receive the Holy Spirit, will help you. That when you read the Bible, the Holy Spirit will teach you things that you would not ordinarily know. So we are supposed to be learning constantly. Unfortunately, we treat God's world as, okay, I just sit and listen. And then when I'm done, I just go about my ways. But I listen. When you go to school after each semester or before the semester ends, they give you a test so you can they can see if you're ready to move on to the next level. 
And somehow we dismiss that, that like that doesn't happen in Christ. But it does. The test don't come on paper and you got a pen and you got to write answers in. That's not the test you get when you get saved. The test you get is real life trials. And the real life trials will determine if you move to the next level or you don't. The good news when you fail, God says, it's all right. Come on, get yourself up. I got you. Let's go at this again. And you're going to keep going until you pass. And he's not giving up on you, but you got to pass to get to the next level. So I don't know if you pay attention to that as a Christian. And remember, I've told you before, sometimes that's why we become frustrated as Christians. Because we haven't listened and, and, and taken the word of God and apply it to our life. So we can begin to pass the challenges and the trials and the tests that we have so we can move to the next level. And then at some point in time, we feel stuck like I'm not growing. Oh, I'm not moving. I'm not I'm not accomplishing things in Christ like I'm hearing the preacher preach about. But what it comes down to is ask yourself, are you passing the test that God has brought into your life? Not the devil, not the devil. The test is coming and God's Go ahead. Take your liberty. Like you did, Job. You just have a hedge right. Oh, I'll move the hedge. Go ahead. So, so the, the Lord don't bring, you know, we always like to say, the Lord, no, no, no. The Lord is so good. He says, I don't have to come up with evil to put it in your life. Evil is in the world. So either I stop it or I don't. But I don't conjure up evil for you. The Bible says, he do not tempt us with evil. So whatever happens, it's the test that he allows to come in your life. So he moves out the way. And when you fail, he says, and he put his hand down. He says, all right, come on, get on up. You know we're going to have to do this again, right? Oh, Lord, you can do it. Great is he that is in you than he that is in the world. You can do it. And he encourages you, and he, then he lets you come to gather together in church, and, you know, you get encouraged again. Yeah, I can do it. But you got to keep doing it until you pass it. If not, you're going to be frustrated and says, why don't I feel like I'm growing? And the bottom line is either you ignore the test, you, you, you don't try to pass the test, or whatever the case may be, and so you just stay stuck in the same, same area. When our tongue is yielded to God and we speak in other tongues, as the Spirit gives the utterance, we will know that we have received the gift of the Holy Ghost and are not in control of our tongue at that time. So in case you're wondering why God chose that way of proving that he has baptized you with his Spirit, he is just showing you that that unruly thing, that's no good, that's poisonous, that cannot be tamed, that cannot be controlled. If you will let me, I will control it. <laughs> that's what he's saying. So that poisonous thing that you're using to poison people with, if you're yielding to me, I'll control it for you. But if you keep on thinking you can control everything, then you're going to keep on poisoning people, hurting people. The control of the tongue is vital to becoming a peacemaker. 
Words must be chosen carefully in the midst of crisis. While one word may have the power to ignite anger and resentment, another well-chosen expression can disarm hostility and bring reconciliation. Proverbs 21, 23, I read to you in the NIV version. The wise man said, those who guard their mouth and their tongues keep themselves from calamity. Uh huh. But I got to just tell them how it is. No, you don't have to tell them how it is. Jesus could have told them how it is when he was on the cross. He could have told them, y'all fools, I am almighty God. He could have told them that. You know who else he could have told something? You know, I always told you this. He could have went up to Judas at some point in time before the Last Supper and says, you boy, you uh, you better stop stealing the money. You better stop taking the money out of the bag because you're going to die and go to hell if you don't stop taking the money out of the bag. He could have told him that. But you know what he did? He kept preaching and kept teaching righteousness. He kept preaching and teaching truth. He kept preaching and teaching and showing miracles and showing righteousness. And he kept doing that, hoping this crazy person would just get the hint and says, I got to stop giving the money. And here is something that's very interesting about uh, Judas. Why wasn't he able to, to, at the last minute, get it together? I was just telling them this on my Tuesday night discipleship Bible study that we put a lot of stock into thinking that when the time coming, we are squeezed real tight that we're going to end up making the right decision and really do what God wants. And I say, mm, I don't know about that. Because one thing I've learned about us is when when we get into our flow and our routine and we, we do what we always like to do and what we like. Even when we're on death, dying at the, at the door of death, we still only want to do what we like. It's very difficult that we change because we say, if you don't change, you're not going to like it. Somehow, I don't know, either we can't change or we trick ourselves to believe, well, even if I die this way, God is going to help me out. And so I'm here to tell you that what you have to figure is that you probably won't change. The longer you wait to do right, the longer you are adding to that lifestyle, the more you're piling onto that lifestyle, and the chances of you changing may never happen. Judas was doing this stuff for three and a half years, taken out of the bag, taken out of the bag. You would think when Jesus said, the one that dipped with me at the same time, that's the one that has been stealing. That's the one that's wrong. You would think at that time, Judas would just start bawling. Again, I'm just, you know, picturing myself. <laughs> I start bawling like, no, 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 no. I know I was stealing it, but no, no. Man, I'm getting down. I'm putting my head on his feet and saying, no, help me. Don't let me die. This is what I think I would do. Well, who knows? Judas ran out. Right. And just kept on going. Judas went out and then told the soldiers, the one that I kiss, that's the one. After he was told by the master. 
you're going to betray me. Whew. So it's proof that even when we know when the behavior is so strong, we still don't do anything about it. So we need to change our behaviors that's wrong, all of us. We need to change our behavior that's wrong because if it stays around, even in our mind when we know we ought to do right and we better change it in case, you know, the Lord comes back. and We, we, we need to do it right now. Every wrong behavior that we got going, we need to really, really attack it right now. Says, I got to change this wrong behavior about me because I don't want to keep doing it to the point where I can never change. The Lord can show up to help you because the Lord was right there next to Judas. And you will be so just ingrained and engulfed into that behavior that in your mind you know what's right, but your actions can't do it. Scary stuff. The very essence of humanity involves emotions and feelings. From ecstatic joy to deep unhappiness, we have the capacity to experience a wide range of sentiments. However, in all of it, we must exercise control over our tongue so we can be peacemakers. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. You're not a peacemaker. You're not called the children of God. It means you can't. Only his children will he dwell with in eternity. So if you're not a child of God, then what? So the bottom line is peacemakers is a heaven and hell issue. It's a life and death issue. It might not have seemed like that when you first read it. But if you're not a peacemaker, then the bottom line is you're not called a child of God. And if you're not called a child of God, then you can't be with God. In the chaos of contention, we may often be prompted to say something that we later regret. However, as spirit-led Christians, our responses should always be governed by a pure heart. What I've been saying to you about this situation, everybody don't want to hear what I have to say, but because I practice, I know my heart is not as pure as it needs to be, but I am trying and practicing all ways to make my heart pure. And one thing that I know I say continuously and I will keep saying it and it just reminds me of how my heart needs to even be much more pure. But I kept saying, I said, um, 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 the, the, the cop there, um, Chauvin, that murdered um, Floyd, I said to you, he committed murder and he needs to go to jail. Didn't I say that? But what else did I say? But when he go to jail, he need to get saved. So for all of us that want to be so mad and never look to say, well, how does he hear the gospel to get saved? Your heart ain't pure. Heart's still corrupt because you only can deal with what you can relate to. And we're that's killing us as a world right now, as a country, especially here, is we're only able to relate to the things that affects us. And that's all we're doing. 
Church, I got to tell you, we got to come to a place where we have to relate to things how Jesus relates to them. Not about how they affect us, not about what our experiences are and what we've gone through. We have to relate to things the way how Jesus relates to them. Because all of us, this is what's great about this country. We, it's a melting pot, right? So this country consists of people that came from so many different places. It's not a lot of people that, that are, was original from here that is here. It's compared to everybody that have traveled in and made this the melting pot that it is. To be honest, we were started on people traveling here. So this was the country where nobody really can claim it. We all traveled here and came here. And so it means we're coming from different backgrounds, different walks of life, different cultures, different kind of family structure. And we're all here trying to make what we're doing work in our own little, you know, family. And so we're going to not see out of eye on a lot of things because we have different course of events that took place in our lives. So if we are going to live in America and keep saying, you got to see it my way, you're a fool. We're not going to see each other because we're all, but, but, but the thing that will make it work real good for us is the thing that we started out with, which is to make this country a place where we can freely worship our God. <laughs> if, if we will, if we will really make it what it was established to do, then we will be on a whole different, uh, you know, playing field because we will realize that, you know what, we, we, we can look at our situations from the perspective of God and not from where we're coming from. Because you see, in my country, we did it like this. You see, where I'm from, my family dealt it like this. And you see, when we were down south, we lived this way. And you see, and they do this, and we got this. And you got people hating and people injustice and all this. Okay, that's true. But we're all guilty of just holding on to our own perspective. We're all guilty of only seeing it according to how we can see it because of how we relate to it. We're all guilty of it. So if we're going to live our life without Christ, this is why we can't have peace. If we're going to live our life without Christ, this is why it's going to be a mess for us. Because we are looking at everything from our own experiences and perspective. But if we get to the place where we realize that, okay, let's look at it from the perspective of God, it's, it's a game changer. It's a game changer. And so we know that God is, is not one to say, oh, do whatever you want, and it goes un, you know, overlooked. No, you're going to pay for your wrong, but he loves you. You see, you see where the perspective has come from, that he needs to hear the gospel, that he needs to go to jail, but he needs to hear the gospel? Right. You see where it's coming from? Because even when we do wrong, God has to tap us and and straighten us out. And we got to pay a price for the wrong that we've done. But he's still loving us and making sure there's a way for us that we can still experience eternal life. Everyone is supposed to get an opportunity or opportunities to experience eternal life. Not one person deserves not to experience that. For God so loved the world. The world. So no matter what you think about anybody, no matter how much you feel like they've done wrong, no matter how much they've offended you, for God so loved the world. And the day you think that they don't deserve to live, you in trouble. 
you in trouble. And we got to pray that God clean up my heart because I don't want no matter what anybody does. I don't want anybody dying without having you in their life. I don't want that for anybody. I don't I don't care who was the worst criminal in this world. I don't want that person dying without having the opportunity to know who Jesus is and get saved. Not one. If they hear it and they want to reject it, it's on them. But I want them to have the opportunity to hear it. The truth that we know. The tongue cannot be used to bless God. One moment and then curse one who was created in God's image the next. James condemned this type of duplicity and resorted to nature to illustrate how bitter and sweet water does not flow from the same fountain. And neither can we speak both blessings and curses on others. Everyone has an ego. Hear this. Everyone has an ego. We are all inclined to protect ourselves and our reputations. This is why I keep on, I have that scripture in my mind, and made himself of no reputation. Man, when you study God's word and you endeavor to keep it, every time you hear something, you say, oh, this is my defense against that. And, and, but it's true. Most people are always prone to protect their reputation. More than that, we are often seduced by the temptation of self-exaltation. So in us trying to protect our reputation, we take it one step further and, you know, we we want self-exaltation. So not only am I protecting my reputation, but I also want to kind of make myself look good. That is when we try to make things appear better than they are and point and paint ourselves with a more successful veneer than it is reality. It is so ingrained in our image driven world that we may not even realize we're doing it. So we get all corrupted by trying to pass ourselves off to to a certain level of reputation. But I read in my Bible that Jesus made himself of no reputation. This is what I've been trying to tell you for a long time, that you know what? I want to do right. I want to live right. I want to please God. But if it just so happened that I do wrong and and people know about it, I'm not going to walk around with my head hanging and be ashamed for the rest of my life because that would mean that I'm all just worried about my reputation and who I am. I want to worry about who Jesus is. Jesus is and live a right life and have a pure heart. And so when I do well, Jesus get the credit. And when I mess up, I look to him to help me. It's all about Jesus. That's why we're supposed to be Christ-centered and let Jesus be our central focus. When we are Christ-centered, no matter what happens in our life, we look to Jesus. If we do well, we look to Jesus. It's only because of you, Lord. If we don't do well, we say, Jesus, uh, I messed up on that, and I know that you died for my sins, uh, and that you shed your blood for my sins, uh, and so now I need uh, that pardon, that forgiveness, that deliverance. Uh, Will you help me now? Because I need you. So I need it when I do good, and I need it when I do bad. 
which means I don't have no reputation. I am hid in Christ and no longer I live, but Christ live in me. That's how I want to live. That it's not about me, but it's about Christ living in me. That's how I want to live. That's the way I want to live, that Christ is living in me and me not going around trying to, you know, tell a little baby lie here and try to make things look look, look a little better than it really is because I'm trying to make my reputation around with people. I don't, I, 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 I think I've let reputation go a good little while now. Not chasing no reputation. I'm chasing Jesus. I'm chasing Jesus. I want to be more like him. James addressed the contradiction of worldly wisdom compared to godly wisdom. What seems acceptable and evil wise in our culture is not necessarily so in the eyes of God as revealed in his word. True wisdom come from God and is freely given to those who ask of him. James said, if you are wise and understand God's ways, prove it by living an honorable life, doing good works within or with humility that comes from wisdom. In the Sermon on the Mount that we read, the first scripture we read, a blessing was promised to the peacemakers. Uh huh. They become identified as children of God. As children of God, we take on his attributes and we communicate his desires to others. So if we're going to be his children, we ought to demonstrate his attributes, and we ought to communicate his desires to others. So what are these essential elements to becoming a peacemaker? What are the essential elements to becoming a peacemaker? And I'm going to run through them real quick and finish up there. The first essentiality to becoming a peacemaker is that we seek God's peace first in our lives. Yes, we got to seek God's peace in our lives first. We cannot work to repair someone else's life until we have been restored. This does not imply that we are perfect, far from it. But how can we talk to others about peace if we are constantly living in turmoil, anxiety, and conflict. How will we make sure we have peace in our life? How do we make sure of that? Here is how you make sure you have peace in your life. You allow God to be Lord of your life, and you will experience peace in your life. Remember, I told you people want God to be their savior. They want God to be their provider, but they're not asking God to be their Lord because Lord means he rules your life. Lord means he has control over your life. And so many people like for God to be their provider, like for God to be their savior, like for God to be their blesser, like for God to be their comforter, all of those things. And that's what they like. But they don't want God to be their Lord. If God is not your Lord, you're going to miss out on peace. Because when God is your Lord, you know what it means? He's in control and I'm not. So what will there be for me to worry about? If he's in control and I'm not, 
what am I worrying about? You see what I mean? So we, we skip over Jesus being Lord of our life because we don't like that. Nobody control me, man. I want to do my own thing. But I'm telling you, even though that's a bogus statement, nobody control me. I, I heard somebody that's not a Christian talked about that. That we're all controlled by something or somebody. They're not even a Christian and they're saying that we're all controlled by something or somebody. I figured that out a long time ago. So I, I, I'm not walking around here talking about, uh, you know, nobody going to control me. Either you're going to let God control you or you're going to let the devil control you or you're going to let your money control you or you're going to let your property control you, or you're going to let your job control you, or you're going to let your kids control you, or you're going to let alcohol control you, or you're going to let uh, drugs control you. Something is controlling you. Why don't you be in charge of that and make sure it's God? Because when drugs is controlling you, you don't have control over it. Alcohol controlling you, you don't have control over it. People controlling you, you don't have control over it. But when God controls you, you don't have to worry about it. And you know he wants what's best for you. The second thing that we must know in order for us to experience peace in our lives, we should identify areas of agreement. If there are volatile issues that we know will bring conflict, we should avoid these hot buttons and rather seek topics where there is more agreement. Occasionally, controversy is unavoidable. To be a peacemaker does not mean that we must appease everyone with a differing opinion. When it is necessary to state a view that may stir conflict, remember the principle of speaking the truth in love. When you have to tell somebody a truth that you know they're going to disagree with, you have to speak that truth in love. At the marriage meeting, what did I tell you? That, that, that was another way of um, um, that scripture. What did I tell you? What did I say, Izzy? Pillow talk. That's when you tell them things. You had pillow talk. That's, you got to be talking stuff in love when it's pillow talk time. So pillow talk is another way of speaking the truth in love. Yo, I, I lost y'all. I lost you. When, 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 when you're trying to tell someone something that you know might be a hard thing, tell them at the, in, a, in a loving way, in a kind way. Tell them in a sensitive and gentle way when you have to tell them the truth. Don't wait till you get mad and spew it out. That was for free. Third, we must choose to love rather than to win. Choose to love rather than to win. If you want peace to be in your life, choose to love rather than to win. What does that mean? Those who are highly competitive may find it difficult to concede an argument. However, there are some things for which it is just not worth fighting for. Uh-huh. Other issues may be so important that they become a hill worth dying on. So you got to know the, the things that's worth dying for. You die for truth. You die for heaven and hell issues. 
You remember I started off by telling you that? That there's something that, that, that is eternal based, that is heavenly based. Those are the things that you die for. If, if it's not going to be heaven and hell issue, figure out a way how to work that out without getting all worked up. Because it's not heaven and hell issue. But if it's something that is going to prevent or hinder somebody from going to heaven, that's one you might have to die for. And still you speak the truth in love. Yes. But we must choose the hill that we're going to die on carefully and be sure it's a hill God is on. This is why you just do the things that are about heaven and hell. You, those are the things that you, you decide, I'll die for that. Because whatever that is, heaven and hell issue, God will be on that hill that you're dying on. You will not die alone when you die for truth. You will not die alone when you die for righteousness. You will not die alone when you die for the things that are important to the Lord. You won't die alone. He will be right there with you. Choose to love. Winning is not the ultimate acclaim. We are commanded to love one another, not to compete against each other. As children of God, we are compelled to pursue peace in all our relationships. We're supposed to pursue peace in all our relationships. We must reject critical attitudes and pursue peace, encouraging one another. Romans 14 and 19 says, therefore, let us pursue the things which make for peace and the things by which one may defy or edify, I'm sorry, each other. The qualities of peace and holiness are so important that the writer of Hebrews connected our ability to be the Lord, to be in the Lord's presence to our request or our, 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 our quest to acquire the attributes in our lives. Pursue peace with all men and holiness without which no man shall see the Lord. Do not speak evil of one another, brethren. He who speaks evil of a brother and judges his brother, sisters too, speaks evil of the law and judges the law. Who are you to judge another person? Who are you to judge another person? We're not qualified. The Holy Ghost is qualified, but we're not qualified. This accurate assessment provides a pathway to peace. James also said, therefore, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, ye sinners, and purify your hearts, ye double-minded. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord and he will lift you up. If we plan to reveal the fruit of righteousness, we must become peacemakers for blessed are the peacemakers, for they are the children of God. Let's stand. Being a peacemaker is a heaven and hell thing. So when the situations begin to challenge you for you to respond in a non-peaceful way, you ought to stop and say, this can cost me my salvation. So let me stop and pray if I'm not right. Let me stop and pray if pure thoughts are not flowing in me. Because I want to give a peaceable, righteous, 
holy response so I can stay on the right side of God because I don't want to go off course and lose out on eternal life. Amen. Thank God for his word. Lord, we thank you tonight. We bless your name. There is none like you, O great God. You are the author and finisher of our faith. We're grateful for your word, Lord God, tonight. We're grateful that you're always guiding us, speaking to us, and, oh God, trying to help us, oh God, to be the best version of ourselves, how you designed us to be, the thoughts you had toward us when you created us. You're constantly working in us. You're constantly working on our part, Lord God, that we can become whole, that we will be complete in you and tonight lord god we thank you tonight lord god we want to praise you and magnify your name oh hallelujah 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 jesus you are lord blessed be the one who oh god has given his life and is coming back for me oh god how excellent is your name in all the earth. Oh God, for you are our king. But more than anything else, Lord, we want you to be Lord of our life. We want you to be ruler. We want you to be the king of our lives. We want you to be our God. And oh, Father, will you have your way? For it is your way we want to follow and not our way. It is your thoughts we want to fill our hearts and not our thoughts. Lord, will you strengthen us as a people? Will you equip us as a people that, Lord, we can show forth the characteristics of God, that we can communicate the desires of God, that we can be the instruments and vessels that you will work through. I pray your blessing, Almighty God, upon each and every person in this house tonight. I pray faith. I pray faith in the name of Jesus. Jesus, that they will walk by faith and not by sight, that they will trust in the Lord with all their heart and lean not to their own understanding, but in all their ways acknowledge you. I pray your peace that passes all understanding to be upon them, and that, Lord, they will live a life of peace. They will experience your joy, and, oh, God, they will be used by you mightily. Have your way, Lord. I pray your peace in our homes, oh, God. I pray your peace in our relationships, Lord. I pray your peace, Lord God, upon us in our lives. We love you, Jesus, and we thank you tonight. Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. Lord, as we go from this place tonight, let your hand be upon us. Your peace and pass it all understanding in our cars, in our conversations, Lord God. We love you, Jesus. We thank you, oh great God, and we bless your name. For all these things we pray tonight in the wonderful and precious name of Jesus Christ. Somebody give him praise. Somebody thank him tonight. Oh, we love you, Jesus. And we thank you tonight for your goodness and your mercy. Have your way in our lives, Lord God. Bless our ladies' conference tomorrow and Saturday, Lord God. I pray the power of God will be unleashed and our ladies will be blessed and filled and, oh God, equipped and empowered. Let your will be done. Your kingdom come. In 
in Jesus' name. God bless you, church. Thank you for your time. Have a great evening. All my healing is answered in the name of Jesus. All deliverance in the name of Jesus. All in that name is blessed. Blessed assurance.